Now and Again is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage, Keanu, and more, head on over to cageclub.me. That is cageclub.me. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Now and Again. This is now, that's what I call music, volume 18. We are in March of 2005, and we are here today with Nico Vasillo. Nico, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. I'm about to launch into some really unpopular opinions, and I am going to... Uh, I'm ready, guys. I am so fucking ready. We will be touching on some really major... Because, you know what? Let's be real. I, I think we can agree that nobody comes to this for the now. They come to this... Uh, they don't come to this for the again, either. They come to this for the, the Nico and the Chris. It's questionable if they even come. I mean, much like my love life. Actually, I've been getting... I'm not it. Oh, woof. No. Um, I actually have a lot of friends that do message me when they listen to this show now. I actually, I'm not even making this up a good 10 to 15 friends on the regular do listen to this show and talk to me about it. It's actually really cool. I enjoy interacting with my uh, amazing friends. Well, thanks to them, everyone who listens. We do. We do really appreciate all of you. I can't express to you how manically I love when you guys come to me about it because. I really do love sharing my knowledge and my opinions and my feelings with you guys. I think you're all really awesome. And I I, I actually love the feedback I get, uh, especially when friends tell me they do or don't know a song. Or I didn't know that Kyle was so into Peter Gabriel until we talked about our love of Sledgehammer. And that's something that wouldn't have organically come up in conversation. So, um, because I'm never like, oh man, I need to break up this concrete. I only wish I had a sledgehammer. Hey, do you like Peter Gabriel? So, um... Maybe we should do one of those, like, Facebook pages or something like that. But, like, more and more, uh, I want to be less and less online because um, (laughs) the internet is hell. So, um, that seems daunting. Yeah, I get you. I get you. I get you. But I would like to... I would like to actually get, like, right into unpopular opinions, brother. Oh, sure. Um, Well, I mean... Where do you stand overall on this now? I think it is... I feel like every episode I say this might be the worst now. Um, But this is, I think, far and away um, the most forgettable now. I I, literally thought this was the most average. There's nothing here that really jumps out as... And I've said this a million times on the show, and I feel like I'm kind of becoming a broken record at this point. We can talk about the really good stuff... And we can talk about the really bad stuff. This whole now is just filled with like 4.5s. It's actually a lot of moderately less successful songs by successful artists. And it's a lot of breakthrough tracks that are really disappointing. March of 2005, I was at what I'm going to call my like darkest hour. Go on, because I I was going to ask, you know, we both are freshmen in college at this point. Um, we're like acclimated to the college experience now. We've been doing it for a couple of months. So, so yeah, if you want to go into that a little bit, um, I feel like we've gotten away from the who are we kind of aspect of this show. But this is a big turning point for us in our lives. Yeah, I am 19. I am in an unhealthy relationship with a person who has gone on to be considerably less toxic and super happy for this person. But this is still the person that I have been in the relationship with this entire series. I'm about a year and a half from meeting my husband, and uh, Kevo is, like, the best thing ever. 
And I don't know if anybody else is going to feel the same way. And maybe it's just the fact that I am like made up of equal parts semen and THC at this <laughs> point that I'm like, like literally not a whole person. But the things you're into, the moment of impact when somebody else comes into your life become the things that are associated with you for that person and then are reinforced by your continued time with that person. So because I was into X, Y, and Z when I met Kevin, Kevin associated X, Y, and Z with me, and thus he tried X, Y, and Z, and that reinforced it. There's a lot of things from this time period that are still part of my life now, or were at least part of my life for a significant period of time because of this significant period, this head-on collision with what with, with what was going to be the rest of my life. It's a really interesting time because, you're right, a lot of these songs are really forgettable, but dude, I have incredible stories about every one of these songs. We've actually, uh, Chris and I, I'm going to be honest, a little bit behind the scenes, ladies and gentlemen, I do listen to your feedback every now and then. Some of my friends are like, man, you guys like... I'd love to know what the cutting room floor is because you guys can't find a topic to save no, you. No, you, you save don't want to know what that's like. The green room is a dark place. We are the plot of Running Scared here. This is... We, we went to some dark places before we hit record, folks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is our therapy. It absolutely is. I think everybody's always like, you know, you know, oh, you're in a dark place, you hit rock bottom. And I'm kind of like, no, sometimes a dark place is a rebirth place. So my husband and I have this incredible boyfriend, as I've mentioned, Jonah. I just, I think the world of this kid, he's, um, we, so he's really smart. And it's really impressive because I'm not used to a 21-year-old having opinions that make me go, huh. <clears throat> and he and I have been doing uh, rereads of comic books that I love uh, because he just wants to know more about me and formative me and it's, oh, it's really amazing to get to share these things with somebody that I care about isn't that an incredibly cool thing about falling in love is like the excitement of like and occasional like disappointment but mostly the excitement of like sharing the things that oh. you love that the other person doesn't and like yes. closing your Venn diagram a little bit yes oh god yes it's been so cool we just like lay in bed on weekends and watch tv and stuff and show each other stuff that uh, so we've been reading anyway so we've been reading comic books and we read one of my favorite things ever we read grant morrison's new x-men and new x-men is i was brought back into i'd read comics my whole life anybody who grew up with me will tell you i read comic books my whole life and it wasn't until i found out that gene gray died and was possibly coming back uh, with new X-Men and astonishing X-Men that I was like, well, okay, well, what the fuck? I'm back again. Mm-hmm. It, it's just really powerful and it really, really impacted on me and uh, getting to see it with somebody else and then experiencing it at literally the same time in their life that I experienced it, like off by a year, I believe, uh, is really cool. And I really think that's kind of what this now does for me. Uh, not just this now, but this era of now that we're coming up on. Spoiler alert, I looked ahead a little bit. And um, the next few nows actually do have a resounding a number of stories on my life. Um, anyway, I think I started a sentence and I completely lost it about how much better organized we are. And I'm going <laughs> to finish that <laughs> no, that's, sentence now. You know, on that, you know, I, I, it's interesting to talk about college being so far removed from it. Um because that first, it's it's such an awkward transition. Um, but that that is something that I'm musically this this these couple of months um, between the last two nows. It was the November now of 2004, and then this one. 
my music taste had started to change very rapidly. We, I mentioned previously how in high school, like the stuff that I was listening to the most was like a lot of punk, like pop punk and ska. Um, now I've really discovered like bands that I I still listen to, which is weird because just you know bands that I was listening to a year earlier. Uh, you know, thirty-plus-year-old Chris finds extremely embarrassing, but I am still listening to uh, the Yeah Yeah Yeahs and Rilo Kylie and Tegan and Sarah, and that's the stuff I'm discovering now. Um, and I have noticed that I'm not listening to as much of what, like the radio music, the pop music. Um, so I know less and less of the stuff on this now, and I don't know if it is because we're in that like second Bush term dredge era that I've always talked about where there's just like no good entertainment coming out or it's just because like I was in college and I didn't have to like drive. I was listening to the radio um, or like a combination of both. I feel like it's maybe kind of that there's just, there's just a lot of um, amnesia towards pop music around this time for me. So it's been interesting revisiting it, but I, I don't feel like I missed a ton to be honest with you. I I'm I'm only going to counter with I have so many positive memories and like this was such a big time for me and um said boyfriend of the era we had so many great times on like road trips and going to visit friends and we were always going out and doing things and we were always playing our our iPods through our little car FM adapter pieces um yeah. and we were always uh, going to movies, so we were hearing songs and and movies, and or, or we he worked in a bank, and somebody would have the radio on, and you know we were always and I drove to college every day, and there was so there was always new music, and I actually have a lot of really positive associations, and I'm gonna make a lot of comments about okay, so here's the song that's popular, here's the song you listen to, uh, for a lot of this, and I mm. I'm gonna be honest, this is. I'm finally kind of like, I know I just said I'm at my darkest hour, but I'm starting to move to a better place. So I have a lot of like cool things for this era in pop music that I'm going to be like, yeah, check it. All right. Well, you mentioned iPod, so I feel like we have to jump into it now um, because this song was selling them or whatever. Uh, U2's Vertigo, Uno Dos Tres Catorce. I think one of the things about later U2, so early U2 is this incredible depth of songs, and it's all these really mm-hmm. intense, I like, I mean, Octung Baby, is that how you say it? Sure. How How is this the same band that did Sunday Bloody Sunday? Well, that's what I'm getting to. And so then they took this time off, and then they came back with this idea that if Bono just kind of goes... Ah, at some point, and then at another point, somebody in the background goes, ah, and he says kind of nonsense things, and he's like, touch the glass yeah. and you run real fast. Yeah. And like, you know, you just keep... You just keep being about it, and in the moment, you can make a lot of records. Mm -hmm. I didn't say a lot of good records, but you can make a lot of records. And this song goes in that category. Um, It's a lot of Bono going, oh, over and over again. 
there's some kind of noises throughout the song and and it's a lot of nonsense lyrics about going to a place called vertigo um unless that's an island in tropez like you know by set you know it's like i don't i don't don't gonna follow follow. bono's ego is leading this band at this point um I, i know that bono has done good stuff and he is into philanthropy but somehow he makes me dislike philanthropy. <laughs> <laughs> he may... There's so much that Bono somehow manages to make uncool. For example, we're going to go to Wiki Wiki Wawapedia. We haven't got, been there in a while, but I have so little to say about these songs that I had to look up, especially just this, because fucking Bono. Um, and there's a quote about what he wrote this song about. Here's the mo- First off, here's the most like 2005 sentence ever. Uh, Bono said during a web chat that the song was the mother of all rock and roll tunes. Um, so, okay. But he breaks down, I guess, what this song is about. And I'm just going to, I'm not going to do an accent, but I'm just going to read this. Uh, in the case of Vertigo, I was thinking about this awful nightclub we've all been to. You're supposed to be having a great time and everything's extraordinary around you. And the drinks are the price of buying a bar in a third world country. You're just looking around and you see big fat capitalism on top of its mountain, just about to topple. It's that woozy sick feeling of realizing that here we are drinking, eating, polluting, robbing ourselves to death. And in the middle of the club, there's this girl. She has crimson nails. I don't even know if she's beautiful. It doesn't matter. But she has a cross around her neck. And the character in this stares at the cross just to steady himself. Now buy this iPod. That's like one of those AI Twitters that just like takes every word that someone's ever said and just like spits out random sentences from them like every hour. None of that makes sense. What's weird is it kind of sounds like what Jaden Smith would sign Bono's yearbook with. Holy shit. Holy shit. You're absolutely right. Jaden Smith would write that story. (laughs) Jaden Smith is just Bono. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You've broken my brain. I've broken through. I now am Jaden Smith. I've achieved singularity with him. Oh, my God. I need to be Willow then. So, um, yeah, this is from the era of U2 where every song is just kind of shouting. Yeah. Every song sounds like it's made for an iPod or a car commercial. Yeah, I'm so glad it's all Grammy fodder. And I'm so, like, but like, you know, I've made this comment. I think I actually don't love Coldplay ever again after the first two albums. I super generically like them, but I don't love them. Um, the first Coldplay album, Parachutes, is an album of like 11 unique songs or 12 unique songs, whatever it is. The second Coldplay album is four song motifs over and over again in really cool constructions. But a lot of the songs sound very similar. It's fewer song ideas, but it's a better album, right? I think my problem is I feel like you two have been doing four song motifs since they made their big comeback in 2004. It's it's tough or 2002, was it? Was it 2002? Yeah, I think it was 2002, wasn't it? Because it was Beautiful Day. Yeah, we didn't we cover them on the first episode of... Was it even earlier? Weren't they on the first episode? Eh, who cares? Fuck you two. Um, uh, yeah, no, I mean, they, they've, they were a band that was important, was integral, and they just settled into... You know, <laughs> I, I fucking hate capitalism too, Bono. I'm with you on that one. Um... Let's let's smash it. Let's bring it down. But like, I can't in a million years see anything um, except Bono as like one of the best examples of like a fucking 2005 Philly fanatic mascot of capitalism. 
I know that Bono is going around the world and he's saving he's saving people and I know that he's raising a billion dollars to save the world and he's fucking Bono man but like I kind of sometimes think I totally appreciate the story you just told but I think Bono stood up too fast on the plane and was like whoa my head and the edge was like you okay Bono and Bono was like I think I'm going to write a song about getting dizzy on a plane and I'm going to call it Elevation. <laughs> and The Edge was like, nope, sorry, buddy. You already wrote a song called Elevation. And he's like, I'll go with the dizzy part. Vertigo! Okay, guys, let's just go to the studio. Bunch of power chords, some shouting. You know, I song. think there's something to that because according to WikiWikiWalpedia, Vertigo was originally recorded as a song called Full Metal Jacket. So I think they are just taking things that they've seen in their lives, and they're like, this is a song now. I invented this. Yeah, we just gotta move on, because this is just turning into we're shitting on you uh, 2 for, like, eight minutes. <laughs> I found four. I bet, like, Sunday Bloody Sunday Bono would beat up this Bono. He'd be like, don't tell... Oh, I'm... I can't do it. I can't do it. I promised I would never do it. I promised. Moving on. Gwen Stefani, what you waiting for? <laughs> Best Gwen Stefani single ever, bar none, hands down. Uh, I would argue, I mean, personally, I would not go with this one, but I am I accept it as a possible answer. It's surprisingly, not surprisingly, I guess it's um, interestingly, what the fuck am I trying to say? It's, um, it's self-aware. I appreciate it. It's like she knows that she's going to get a lot of backlash and is possibly facing failure from moving from one genre that is established to a, a very different genre where she's putting herself out there. Um, and that's, I mean, the entire song is a monologue in her own head about that. And like coming back and listening to the lyrics now, um, knowing her as the voice is Gwen Stefani versus 2005's uh, formerly of no doubt Gwen Stefani. Um, I, I have a very different appreciation for the song. Um, well, but that's that. And even though I yeah. don't think it's, I don't think it's her best. I really do enjoy it. So, the big theme I'm going to start presenting on this now, and I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but every single person we're talking about on this now was somebody else at some point, with the exception of one song, which was a cover. But mm. um, who you two were were rock rock pioneers and who they became were rock royalty making the same brassy song about their big balls right so Gwen Stefani was a ska goddess and here she's unleashing what I think is just one of the coolest songs ever but what you said was the voice is Gwen Stefani I just need to rewind slightly because you're right it's the voice is Gwen Stefani but it's really a post holla back girl Gwen Stefani it's a post the fir- it is a post the first ever million copy selling single. No, I don't think that's correct. I'm pretty sure um, digital. Sorry, digital. No, I, I just I think this was released before Hollaback Girl. Right, that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. So oh. you said that the difference between this this song and Gwen Stefani now is 
that she's the voice is Gwen Stefani. And I'm saying Gwen Stefani stopped being Gwen Stefani the minute Holla Back Girl became oh. as ubiquitous as Hey Ya. I misunderstood you. Yeah. Okay. The minute the minute Holla Back Girl changed Gwen Stefani from the singer from No Doubt to because even when it was – the joke is it's Gwen Stefani and No Doubt. It was always Gwen Stefani and No Doubt. It was always Gwen oh, Stefani yeah. and that guy that cleans her pool. Yeah. And now it's Gwen Stefani. Oh, right. She had been in that band. Um, generic ska guys. Yeah. And She had that uh, you know, Don't Speak song where there was like a band. Yeah. This is you – know, Gwen Stefani was a ska goddess and now she's – making pioneering dance music but it's gonna change to kind of generic dance music pretty quickly yeah and i don't dig it but um you uh, know. song written by four non-blondes linda perry who's who writes a lot of um a lot of songs you know but a lot of songs you probably don't know she wrote yeah um not you nate nico i'm talking to the no I, I i uh, i totally talking to the audience out there we of course know we know every linda perry song I mean, I I said, yeah, I know what's going on. <laughs> so, all right. I don't think there's more to say about this uh, song. So let's get this party started with the well, next song. Okay, wait. Get it? Wait, I wait, just wait. wanted there my punchline. I just wanted my punchline. There's, There may not be something to say about this song, but... I mean, we can, we can, we can table this until another Gwen Stefani song that we don't have as much to say. Um, do we need to uh, address her weird thing with the Japanese girls on this album? Uh, so, the Harajuku wanna, girls? Yeah, do we want to push off her kind of fetishization for another now, or is that for, for this one? I would like to save them for Rich Girl, in which she, she specifically name drops them. People got really mad about these, these backup dancers at this time period. Oh, I mean, it's, 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 it's racist as fuck. Like it's, 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 it's deeply problematic. Uh, and I, I, I do absolutely want to get into it. Um, but I think part of the problem is at this point, it's not yet fetishization at this point. It's a singular video. All right, then let's, let's, the problem becomes when she turns it into a gimmick, when she carries them around like poodles in a purse. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. So then, stay tuned for uh, social justice warriors Nico and Chris uh, talking about the Harajuku girls on a future episode of Now and Again. It's all up. What give it up? What shouldn't matter? Shouldn't matter? Shouldn't matter? Shouldn't matter? Ah, these fucking libtards. Am I right, folks? Uh, rumors by Lindsay Lohan. I, I fucking love Lindsay Lohan's early career. I was like criminally obsessed with her. So I frequently, you know, so let's let's have a, a Nico aside for a minute. It's weird to explain, but I do experience attraction to women, like actual physical sexual attraction to women. It's something I do experience and not like rarely, okay. but it, it more than you might expect. But I don't experience an emotional connection with women. So it's kind of... It's it's certainly why I, I live my life 
as a gay man because it would be irresponsible of me to do anything different. But um, <clears throat> I am absolute, and the, I've come to, I've reflected about the terminology and what I feel is the right term. And I'm, and I'm a pansexual, and I understand that it's one of those terms that people just kind of want to like snicker under their breath because it's like, it's a term, but like, I get it. And for mm-hmm. people who don't, just can't get there with me, I'm like, just think bisexual, but all about the men, right? <laughs> um, Pre-crazy f- fuckball Lindsay Lohan is like my dream woman. <laughs> <laughs> this era Lindsay Lohan right here making rumors is like... That, that, is, is, like, that I, is an image that... I didn't know how much I loved. I didn't. I didn't know it. it, it I, I'm gobsmacked. Just how? Oh my god! I close my eyes and I'm gonna see that forever, dude. I just want to have like every one of her gorgeous little redhead babies have my smile on his face. Sure. Um. I. <laughs> I. 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 This song is like. The, uh, this might be the. This might have the ugliest production of a song we have heard on a now so far. Um, whether or not you like it or not is one thing. Fine, sure, we like what you like. But this song sounds just like as as a concept of what sounds should sound like. Everything sounds wrong. Her voice doesn't sound like a voice. The drums don't sound like drums. The synth sounds like it's being fed uh, through a series uh, of tin cans underwater. Um, it's just an ugly sounding song. It sounds industrial in a way that I think is extremely unintended. And is also just bad. <laughs> that doesn't stop it from being catchy. It's just bad sounding. The appropriate time to X was not as big a Lindsay Lohan fan. And he occasionally said she sounded like somebody was kicking a garbage can full of cats. <laughs> I, and like, I, you know exactly the X I'm talking about. Sure. Um, and there were times he was hysterical like that. And he would say stuff like, swear to God, she sounds like she's kicking a garbage can full of cats. And like he would just get so angry about it. I do recognize that the song sounds a little bit like Lindsay Lohan was at her friend, a.k.a. her dealer's house. And he was like, yeah, you should record a song for me. And she's like, I don't know. And he's like, yeah, you should do it. And she's like, I don't know. I've got a career to think about. What about my freckles? You know what I mean? But it's a great song, and I love it, and anyone who doesn't can fight me. I I was about to say, um, it does an okay job of covering up the fact that she probably can't sing very well. No, she cannot um, sing but very I, well. That is correct. Yeah, I found a live video. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch that later on my own. Um, I'm very interested to know what that sounds like. Drop It Like It's Hot by Snoop Dogg. And then Pharrell's back again. When the pimp's in the crib, ma. Drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. Drop it like it's hot. When the pigs try to get at you. Park it like it's hot. Park it like it's hot. Park it like it's hot. And if a get an attitude. Pop it like it's hot. Pop it like it's hot. Pop it like it's hot. I got the rollie on my arm and I'm pouring Shondon and I'm full of best. Because I got it going on. Yeah, um, so counterpoint to the song I was just talking about. Um, this at least sounds like Pharrell. Uh, I mean, anytime he's on a song, you're going to get some production that sounds fantastic. Um, even if I don't, I don't especially love, uh, I've said it before. I think um, the beats of this era sound very um, lacking. Um, they just like they, they were afraid of bass for some reason. And like the heavy could only come from 
like <laughs> the occasional Tom. But uh, yeah, yeah, this is this we're in an era where Snoop Dogg. I mean, if you think Snoop Dogg is late, like Snoop Dogg is lazy as fuck now. Now, like you give him some money and he shows up and he spits like you know, sixteen bars and he's out with a six figure paycheck probably. Um, but we're definitely in an era here where he's just phoning it into. Um, I think he's just having a good time. I think he's another one exactly like Bono, who was a pioneer and a revolutionary in his industry. Mm-hmm. And now he's been around for 400 years. And um, <clears throat> I really hope you don't edit out the sound of me taking off my pants and the sound of you opening a beer. I never edit out the sound of me opening a beer, but I, I didn't. The sound of you taking off your pants probably just sounds like ruffling, like shuffling. There was sort of like a flop, like a, like a, like a, and like they, <clears throat> as they hit the floor. You know what I mean? Um, uh, you mean your your testicles? Anything I say here, it would have to be cut. So, I want. I think he showed up and he was just really like, I want to rap over some sick beats and have a good time. And you know, Pharrell was like, I'm gonna hook you up with one of the most recognizable songs ever. Yeah, I mean, I just don't. I don't have a ton to say about it. Um, it it certainly exists. It was huge at the time. Um, I neither love it nor hate it. Um, we are kind of starting to get out of the point where the Neptunes are going to dominate all, basically all production, which is, I guess, almost a relief when you have to listen to you know the big songs once once a month. I think that's that's. I think I'm just I'm just getting fatigue. You know, we've been we we sped through '99 and 2000 um, because that's what now did. They just they weren't as uh, as regular, and I I just think I'm feeling fatigue for for what has um, been around in this era, and I, I don't feel like I have much to say about stuff that kind of just sounds like it's being pumped out anymore. And I feel like every you know in in the now timeline, every five years or so. Um, I think that's that's going to happen. I think I'm just going to be burnt out on certain sounds, and this is a sound, the Neptune sound. I, I'm just kind of done with it. It kind of does reinforce the whole thing I've been saying with this now, you know, pioneer to to whoever. This this still, when Pharrell is like the backup guy trying to help other people, I don't think Pharrell is quite Pharrell yet. As a performer, well, I think, uh, hmm. That that is an interesting statement. Um, hmm. Because I have I have a very different opinion about NERD than a lot of people I think do. Um, I think that is really Pharrell kind of in his awkward age. And as a producer, I feel like he has almost hit his. I think I feel like he's past his peak of this era. Um, but I feel like Pharrell as Pharrell um, getting away from NERD or the Neptunes will is still to come um that said uh i you could fucking keep happy pharrell like that no thank you i'll take this anyway but i think that's who he is yeah i possibly i think i don't have a great answer for that yet i don't know i don't know enough but i feel like that's probably true and i probably don't like that it's true. yeah i think Elements of this sound plus the throwback yearness is who he really is, and that's happy. And I think that's Pharrell's not yet Pharrell. 
I would just love to hear the Neptune sound with some fucking bass in it. Um, and even the next song, Destiny's Child Soldier with T.I. and Little Wayne. songs at this period and the songs sound every song sounds like it's missing something because it is there, there's no kick drum you can't have four to the floor without kick drum so i really love that we have a destiny's child song after having had beyonce songs i know i didn't think that was a thing i mean i my my wikipedia of of beyonce's career is not uh, as formed, it's very fragmented, and there's a whole lot of space. Um, but I thought once we had solo Beyonce, I thought we were done with Destiny's Child. So this was honestly kind of. It's always Beyonce really is the MVP of this show as of as of right now. Eighteen nows in. Uh, without Beyonce, I think we would have abandoned this project by now. She single handedly saves some of these soundtracks or uh, compilations, I should say. I have that. I love Beyonce as a as as a force of nature, but I don't love Beyonce's music all the time, and I don't always love as much as I think she is one of the most unbelievable pinnacle performers. Um, I I don't know. I will agree that she's the MVP so far, no question. But I don't ever think she has been the sole light in in a now. Um, I think. I think when she is surrounded by some of the trash that we have to listen to, <laughs> yeah, she stands out so far. Her whole her whole thing is "fuck you, I'm awesome," and like it it shines so much more brightly in just this fucking trash heap that we're stuck in. Sometimes I get that. I do like her, and I do love her, and I respect her, and I think she is a warrior, and I think she is a queen. Um. <clears throat> I by no means mean to take away from her talent when I say anything negative about her. I just don't always love all of the singles. Oh, sure. And I don't... I don't think she has the best verse of the Destiny's Child people on this song, even. I also think this is a really interesting departure from what Destiny's Child had been known for. And this is a really really fun track for them. We haven't had a Destiny's Child song with guest spots... We've had Beyonce songs with them, but not Destiny's Child songs with them. Yeah, so this is a lot of fun. Yeah, and seeing Lil Wayne before he just kind of became a hashtag rapper is nice. Like, it doesn't, it feels not very Wayne-like, almost, because he's not doing his thing. Like, say some stuff, punchline. Say some, say some, say some stuff, punchline. Like, he's, he's actually kind of rapping here. Uh, which is interesting. I do this thing. Yeah. I call it other stuff. I do this thing. It's also other stuff. You think that's funny? This is a punchline. It's in your face. <laughs> that's also a punchline. Yep. Um, so this is... I'm uh, Wayne. Yeah, it, it stands out. I think it's... Let me look at the track list real fast, but I think this is... Like, like I said, I think this is a dire now. Um, yeah... Yeah, for my money, I think this is the best track on this album. Um, 
at least, I mean, I don't, I'll, I'll accept top three, but I don't think you can put it lower than that. And it's just, that's the thing. Like, she's just been, she's been a um, constant. And Destiny's Child as a whole, like, not to say Beyonce, Destiny's Child as a whole has been a bright spot of these ep- these episodes um, for me. It's seeing seeing any any oh, of those names sure. pop up, um, except that one time when we had that, who's it, Michelle? Uh, no, it was Kelly Rowland. Uh, that that solo Kelly Rowland song that was really really bad, um, but other than that, man, anytime they pop up, I am I am in. Stole um, and just not to insult Kelly Rowland entirely, um, I said Beyonce doesn't have the best verse in it, and I just said Kelly Rowland's other song sucked. Uh, Kelly Rowland does have the best verse on the song, just so people don't think that I'm a full on hater of hers. Uh, she has the best verse on the song. No, Kelly Rowland yeah, is so. a gift. Kelly Rowland is a gift. You might remember from my story, she is my favorite. I think that Soldier's a great song. I don't think it's actually like like a huge destiny's child milestone or anything um no it's not and i mean i didn't remember end, it until we could listen to this i want to rush right into yeah. ashanti i i don't have anything to talk about about only you to be honest i more want to talk about ashanti sure go ahead ashanti was someone who was literally everywhere she was every fucking where ashanti I don't understand how it didn't happen. I, I'm, I'm trying to find a nice way to say this. I think Rihanna was out there and was like using dark magic to siphon Ashanti's career away. <laughs> because Ashanti had lined up what Rihanna has. Rihanna mm. really is like a Madonna at this point, And you just can't take that from her. The woman has had a career for like 15 years... And she has been incredibly successful, changing her sound to consistently match whatever is necessary to be on the Billboard charts. She churned out, like, five albums in six years. She was always appearing in something. She managed to make a transition into a failed acting stint. She did the work. She has managed to do something so few women can do she was the victim of abuse from a famous abuser and has managed not just to stay famous but completely move past that exceed his level of fame and continue to be a powerhouse in her industry and if you don't mind me interrupting to ask um just because i'm looking at her wikipedia right now uh who is that i i don't i don't know i don't know who that was who Rihanna? Oh, sorry. I apologize. I thought we transitioned back to Ashanti. I I'm so sorry. Yes, sorry. No, no. no. So Ri, Ri, I'm like you don't. Let me tell you all about Riri. So um, that that Chris Brown person that we've said we're not covering his songs when we get to them. That guy. Yeah, the, the person who you made that rule about, Chris. No, I'm sorry. I, I I thought I'm an idiot. Go ahead. But so Ashanti, um, one of Ashanti's big things was that. She hung in with legit rappers on tracks. Ashanti showed up on... I can't remember the name of that song. See, my day is cold without you. And I'm hurting while I'm... That song, you know what I mean? I'm a hog. And then uh, she also had... I'm not always there when you call, but I'm always on time. You know what I mean? Like, Ashanti was every fucking where, and she was with every rapper. And it was always legit. Rock rock with you? She had that too, yeah. Is that? Oh, that's not the one you're. I I, I didn't get from your humming which, which song it was. I'm trying to guess. Um, there's but okay. there's just too many. Turn it up. There's just 
No. I don't know. But yeah. there's so many. Ashanti had so many hits. Hold on. I just didn't want to change my web browser page. Ashanti. She was on an episode disc. of Buffy the Vampire Foolish. Slayer. Foolish. Yes, she was. Season seven. The song I'm talking about is Foolish. Okay. So when Ashanti first came out, she was such a humongous deal. She had Foolish. Um, she had so... And you can like see how many singles she had early on. And how many of them charted really well. Number one, number eight, number 15, mm-hmm. number two, and number seven, all in the same two-year period. Then she had 13, number 13, the next year. And then all of a sudden she disappeared. Yeah, she went on a four-year hiatus, which, I mean, I feel like that's... I don't. I, I would never begrudge an artist for taking time off. But it's it's much more that Concrete Rose was a flop. I mean, if, if sure. you take if you take a look, she was dropped from her label. Okay, I just I don't. It's a kiss of death to to take that long of a hiatus when you are not a Beyonce level person. Um, and you know, I will never say that someone can't take time off, even if their job is celebrity uh, or musician of some sort. Um, but like, that's. Being away from popular culture that long, it's tough to come back. Oh, for sure. Well, so I do think really all I wanted to say was that Ashanti was everywhere. Um, That didn't – what I just read before didn't count her appearances and other tracks. Um, One second. So she – hold on. This was the thing that was crazy. She appeared in – do-do-do-do guest appearances – she appeared in a big pun song. She appeared in a Ja Rule song. Two Ja Rule songs. Yeah, she was songs. with Ja Rule. She was in a relationship with Ja Rule for an extended period of time. So um, they, they did a lot of collab stuff. She did. Uh, she had Unfoolish, a remix featuring the big uh, featuring Biggie because the song sampled Biggie. She did so many collaborations. Oh my god, I can't stop scrolling. She did so many collaborations. And yeah, she was in so many Ja Rule songs at a certain point it did seem like the two of them exclusively worked together. Uh, But that's, I I don't know. It's just like, it's weird how I thought that like Ashanti was going to be I I thought she was inescapable. I didn't care for her tremendously. (laughs) So I wasn't really excited that she was inescapable. And then all of a sudden she disappeared. And I wonder if that had to do with the fall of Ja Rule. Yeah, because she was, she was releasing an album a year at that point. 2002, 2003, 2004, Concrete Rose is what tanked her career. In interviews mm. I saw her do, she was like, I call it Concrete Rose because sometimes hip-hop is hard like concrete and sometimes it's soft like a rose. And I was oh, like, wow. that's, that's not a good thing to say. Don't say that. That's Bono level deep right there. Right? That's naming your kid after Quincy Jones level deep. So, yeah, I just really wanted to touch on Ashanti and a career I thought would have been bigger. Here's a person whose career I think is humongous and is deserved, but I sadly haven't loved his albums in years. John Legend. Yeah, 
Yeah. Oh, just FYI, if you're following along track by track, we are skipping a lot on this this episode because um, it's poop. Um, John Legend is someone I don't really know a ton about um, musically, um, but every time he shows up and every time I hear some stuff from him, uh, I ain't sad I heard it. In fact, I quite enjoy it. Um, but then I just like kind of forget he exists. I love John Legend. I love his first three. I love his first two albums. I like the next two. Uh, his first two albums, I don't think there's a bad track between them. And this is on the first album. Um, I love this song. It's really clever. It sounds a lot... Uh, this was a period where um, there were brilliant R&B pianists recording songs that name-dropped a lot of people. There was this, and there was Alicia Keys' Unbreakable, I believe, in 2005 as well. In this, he says things like, um, maybe it's me, maybe I bore you. No, no, it's my fault. I can't afford you. Maybe, baby, Puffy, Jay-Z would all be better for you. Um, But all I can do is love you. And, like, it's really interesting that this is the complete opposite of this other song from very similar time by an artist that this artist was very close with that has similar themes lyrically but completely opposite meanings. Mm-hmm. I just love John Legend. He's a genius. Uh, his early stuff is super about getting high as shit, just real high as fuck. Is it really? Real, real high. I mean, he has a song called Get Lifted. Okay. Girl, I'm going to get you high, really going to blow your mind. He's got another song on that same album that's just him going, Come fly with me. Get high with me. You know, okay. Over. I w- yeah, it's real about drugs. Real about drugs. So I was thinking that this song sounded different. Obviously, and I just thought it was because it's. I just thought it was because John Legend maybe wasn't like as in the mainstream as you know the stuff we were just talking about, where that is, it's just bereft of uh, any kind of any kind of bottom to its sound. Um, the low end of the EQ just doesn't exist. This song was produced by Kanye West. Yeah. Um, let's ignore like the last two months of Kanye West and think about like two thousand five. No, yeah, two thousand four. Kanye West. Kanye. Um, uh, Kanye and um, John Legend and Common all used to like that. That is a hell of a fucking murderer's row right there. Uh, my, uh, uh, but that makes sense why this song sounds so fucking good. Commons B is just a really incredible record. Uh, and his wife uh, has like a fucking on-point Twitter game. Commons? Uh, definitely uh, recommend, oh, you mean, highly recommend you mean, follow oh, you mean, um, of Chrissy Teigen. Teigen. Yeah, I was like, Chrissy Teigen fucking rules. I was like, wait, Commons' wife has a Twitter game? What's happening? And so, yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I just really love saying that I think John Legend is a genius. I, he shows incredible versatility in his songwriting. Um, he is an unbelievable pianist. His voice is silk that can express just about anything. Uh, he's the kind of artist that you can actually hear him smile the way he frames his mouth. Uh, mm. He's an incredibly warm vocalist. He's a dynamic performer. Um, you just you can't say enough good things about John Legend. It's just not possible. Uh, I know I just said I didn't love the last couple of records, but that's okay. I don't have to love every record to still love the guy. I think uh, I think you've inspired me to dip into those uh, those first two albums. Maybe later tonight. Uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll. Oh my god! I might get a little lifted and uh, and get lifted. If you know what I mean. Another again is the best song ever. Holy shit! And then if you like another again, I'll do my cover of it for you. <laughs> uh, another again is like the best fucking song. Um, I think "Ordinary People" stands out as one of the most perfect songs ever. Yeah, so good, so good at this period in his career. At this period in his career, he is crafting songs that sound so beautifully from the heart and so effortless, but so incredibly passionate and intense. 
and he can just oh my god he could have sold me anything <laughs> seriously he could have sold me anything I wouldn't have cared uh, I just would have bought it just to like listen to his voice I swear to god unbelievable unbelievable talent unbelievable guy incredibly generous humongously philanthropic Philanthropic. Ooh, so I said philanthropian. What? No. Uh, philanthropic. Um, <clears throat> he and his wife do so much good. I just really, really. John Legend, you guys. Totally deserves the last name. Okay. I'm good on John Legend. I, I can only have a crush on the man in public for so long before I start to get a little like, okay, what if he's listening? So. Uh, you're just writing uh, Nico Legend in like spiral notebooks. With a little heart around it. Um, Frankie oh, J and like obsession. I just want Chrissy to. I just want Chrissy to officiate. Um, that is a couple that I would absolutely both. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent every time. Hundred um, percent every. Uh, yeah, uh, Frankie J obsession. No s amor. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, if we can get serious for a second, featuring Baby Bash. So baby, if you let me, could you be cheating and maybe we could ride together. We could do this all night. No. No. I don't care if you got a man, baby, I wish you'd understand, cause I know he can't love you right. No, guys, I, we talked about this. We said we would not tolerate violent artists. We are skipping anything by Chris Brown. Mm-hmm. We are skipping anything by R. Kelly. Amen. We are skipping anything by Rebecca Gayhart, and we are skipping anything by Baby Bash. Don't bash babies. How hard is it? How hard is it? Guys, we barely recovered from the last Baby Bash. Poor Prescott. He's still in a back brace. And 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 their cousin, Dennis, still only has 11 teeth. Do you know what you know what the saddest sight is? People might say it's those videos that they share of um, tiny animals with like wheelchairs for their dead back legs. Um, but actually, it's like little babies in helmets because they've been bashed. Yes, it is. What's even sadder is when the little baby has the little wagon for its back <laughs> legs. Worse. Okay. I want to make some sort of joke about the baby's name being like Rick Shaw. And like, but like, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm just not sh- I'm just not sure I can get away with it. So I want to cut and run. Nope, that's staying in. But uh, yeah, um, I didn't even listen to the song because I didn't think I needed to. And I was right. Uh, Omerian. Oh. Uh, I, no, Quebec. I was going to talk oh, about you that song. You were actually going to talk about the song? Yes. You didn't just have, we weren't just doing a bit? No. I thought we just did bits on this show. <laughs> Okay, wait. So, (laughs) no, so this is one of the ones that I actually had a story for. Oh, oh, by all means. Okay. Oh, you're trying to hurt me, man. Why are you trying to hurt me so bad? Okay, so, so this song came, (laughs) so this song came out when I was in ballroom dancing, right? And, is that one of those one one credit classes in college, or was that like a thing you were into? No, no, no. One credit class in college. Look okay. at you. And uh, it was a really cool class, and I actually I somehow lost like 20 pounds through it, and that was the first time I ever saw any kind of weight loss, and everybody was like, wow, Nick, you look great. You look so good. And I was like, wow, so now this is something I want to get into. But that led to a really dangerous relationship with cardiovascular exercise as a form of gaining acceptance, and that led to something called exercise-based anorexia. Mm. But anyway, 
Um, <clears throat> at this point, so I've mentioned I am, you know, Latino. And I only say it that way to make fun of myself because sometimes I get a little too haughty about it and it's always good to make fun of me. Um, but I bring this up because uh, this this chorus is actually a sample, but it's a, it's a covered sample. It's oh. like a it's a part of another song. <laughs> and it features Baby Bash, who they ha- they do um, Sugar Sugar How You Get So Fly Together, if you remember. Uh, I don't, but I believe you. So this is so Frankie J was on Baby Bash's song, and he had Baby Bash gifted, lifted higher than the ceiling. Ooh wee, it's the ultimate feeling. And now it's you know, Amor. But anyway, so uh, there were these two really cool people in the class. They were so cool, Villamore and Melissa. And they had this really crazy sexual tension that if they ever got partnered to dance together, it was just like there was just like cum all over the floor. It was so hot. And well, that's what you need for a good ballroom dance, right? Is to be like just one strip of clothing away from full fuck. Yeah, it was like sploosh all the time. Like you just watch them and you were like, oh my God, it's like Dirty Dancing to Havana Nights. And like it was just so hot when they would dance. And uh, they used to dance to this song. And... um one time Alyssa was like, Ella, well, how do you know all the words? And I was like, because I'm Spanish. And she was like, well, my last name is De La Torre. What's your last name? And I was like, Vasilo. And she was like, that's not very Spanish. Oh. And I was like, it's not. She's like, but any amount of Spanish is Spanish enough. And she was really cool. And that's just a really nice memory of the first time I gained acceptance for uh, looking good. And I liked it. And now I am exclusively made of vanity and um, a need to be able to do mirror checks. And uh, I really can't walk by a mirror without flexing. It's really terrible. Well, I'm glad that baby bashing had a positive impact on your life, but think of all the lives that it had a negative impact on. You fuck. Well, I only got, I only got Jack so I can protect myself from a baby bashing. (laughs) It's like the knockout game. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Uh, After after I played the knockout game, I stopped by a rainbow party and did some baby bashing. Uh, Welcome to Fox News in 2008, ladies and gentlemen. I actually, uh, there's going to be a new version of baby bashing. It's where you get really high on this experimental baby drug. You get baby bashed. I think Ireland just legalized baby bashing. I actually heard that. I heard that um, sometimes uh, runners... The night before they go for a run, they intravenously baby bash. Uh, Omarion, oh. funny intentionally i don't think it is my my husband heard us and just facebook messaged me and said this is your occurring bit baby bashing and i turn i turn around and he's just scowling at me that's like really i mean this is your bit yeah, I mean. Anyway, I agree. before we were so before we were so rudely harangued by the peanut gallery, just because he doesn't care about baby bashing doesn't mean we don't have to. We we don't just care. We're actually going to have a now and again a thon. 
Yeah. Where we're going to do a live stream of us listening to Nows just playing Super Mario Brothers 3 as long as we can. And for every hour we play, we're going to get donations. To get, we're doing good. We're fighting yeah. baby bashing. The now and again Twitch stream is going to go off. Fam. That's what it is. Twitch. That's how into. That's what a video game store I am. I couldn't remember Twitch. Uh, <laughs> when we uh, when we start our Patreon, um, we're we're gonna say that ninety uh, percent of the proceeds go to a baby bash charity. I barely remember. We're not life. actually starting a Patreon. Re- relax, folks. It's, it's not. Happening. I barely. I barely remember a life before uh, eight hours a day devoted to a comic book. Eight hours a day devoted to work. Two hours a day devoted to eating and working out six hours a day of sleep that's literally that's literally all of the time in my life yeah yeah so i don't i don't remember what video games are but i'm sure they're great mine is like 12 hours a day of studying four hours a day of raising baby bash awareness and then eight hours of sleep obviously yeah i mean i actually do my baby bash awareness in my sleep um so i i astrally project myself into other people's dreams and like they think it's a ghost but it's go Baby Bash! Baby yeah. Bash! And need, I just... We need to go one level deeper, you know? You and uh, Joe Gordon-Levitt just there yelling at Killian Murphy about baby bashing. Bashception, yeah. And then one of them... Yeah. One of them was in the first Batman. One of them was in the third Batman. Split the difference. And we're Heath Ledger in the second Batman. What? We've stopped started on O'Marion so many times. Can we just go to the city? <laughs> I have I don't know where the fuck that bit was going. But it needs to die. Um <laughs> Oh boy, this episode is this, this, I've this never is... heard you sound quite so alertly afraid of This now what is tough I to talk about. Saying. We're going to some dark places, folks. Um, okay, <clears throat> okay, Omarion, Omarion. I feel like I need to pull up the lyrics to the song and do like a mini rap genius because the chorus, I don't think it's meant to be as funny as I found it. No, it's not. Did you find it funny? I don't, I find it funny now. You, uh, like you didn't find it funny then? This is not a, a first time welcome to the show, Omarion. It's the first time on his solo stuff, though. Um, we did mention, I believe, when he was with... What was the name of the band? B2K? B2K? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, this song entirely centers around the fact that his uh, name starts with O. O, that's going to be the sound, girl, when it's going down. Your body's saying O. Don't have to say my name, girl. I'm just glad you came. Uh... <laughs> It's it's like a seventeen year old's like uh just like idea of double entendres about 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 making whoopee. Uh <laughs> Well, absolutely. I mean take a look at like girl come over and let's get this thing cracking. You'll be surprised when you see what O's I'm packing because I'm young but I'm ready, trying to get hot and heavy. You know, and that's something that's really interesting. That's something that's really interesting about about the way we portray sexuality youth is always portrayed as like even if they're inexperienced they have the energy and the drive to do it but and i'm just gonna say it oh my god i even if you're even if even the best person in their 20s doesn't really have the i don't care how much sex you've had until you're in a 
adult with a fully formed understanding of the complexities of social interaction, you don't really have the proper psychological programming to understand the ways in which sex evolves. Oh my god, I have no idea who's about to listen to this, but let's just go full crazy show. Oh, hell yeah. So one of the things that I understand in my role as a dom is how many sexual encounters I have that are non-penetrative. They are non-penetrative acts of dominance and submission because one thing you come to understand the more you evolve as a person isn't just about the sex itself. And I really appreciate any person I've ever been with who's ever been offended by my... When I say it's not a thing against young people, it's a thing about how you just don't know yet and i'm not commenting on the quality of the sex i'm saying there's a certain point where you come to understand the complexities of 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 the way sex works and there is something that we let young people get away with that's a very rut 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 that that they're able to sell as sexy and they're able to sell as hot and you know he says he's young but he's ready which implies that he's not very experienced but evidently he's packing a lot of orgasms (laughs) now yeah i'm willing to believe he's willing to do the work to to get her off as many times as he possibly can but there's just guys where you got it look there's just times where you're like look you're doing a great job just let me finish myself okay thank you you're doing awesome but i have to do it only i know where to put my hands so please just step back and let me take care of this my God, do you, oh, that that is such a difficult. Now, I I I don't have the same uh, experiences as you in regards to sex because we are, uh, you know, uh, straight gay. Um, we're coming at this from different angles. Uh, but holy fuck, that is such a hard conversation for me to have. I don't know if that is the same for you, but like the other person, the girl, every time, yeah, I was like, no, no, no it's, uh, it's can I just like can I just like just like crank this one out that so offended by that sometimes absolutely that's it it even happens with guys together one of the things it's uh, i'm trying not to get any kind of like detailed so i just need a second to okay oftentimes i will make the pronouncement of oh my god cut what you gotta cut oftentimes i'll make the pronouncement of i just can't come from head it's just not gonna happen god yes but like look it happens sometimes it happens there are very certain there it happens and that's awesome and when it does oh that's so fucking cool okay that does not mean you're going to get it every time and that doesn't mean if you can't get it next time you should be upset because that's something you're supposed to be able to do bodies aren't like that but and like if every guy has like look let's i don't know why nobody else says this you don't have the same exact quality erection every single time there's times you're just hanging at four-fifths mast and that's okay and like you just got a dangler you know hey as long as it gets in that's all that matters like Mm -hmm. so like anyway we let youth get away with this idea of being young and hungry for it automatically means you are or or any especially if you're some kind of more dominant young, it automatically comes off as oh shit his confidence or oh damn she knows what she's doing oh you know what I mean? There there's certain expectations that because you're young, you can get away with certain things. But like yeah, I agree with you. When I was younger, there was something really hot about this song. Looking back on it at 32, I'm kind of like all right. <laughs> 
this is somebody's this is a 19 year old's idea of hot to 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 target at 16 year old at the end of the day the quality of sex relies in part on the connection and that everybody knows what they're doing even the best fall down sometimes I have to. I, I feel bad just like passing off all of this to you. Um, nope, nope, nope. But this one in particular, buddy. Well, I know because you, 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 you are this genre in a lot of ways. Um, you know, the, those who don't know Nico's music, like his early music, I feel like is very. Uh, I'm talking like, I guess around the age we're at in this now, like 2005 era. Your music that you're making is very. I feel like this in a lot of ways. Is very purposely copying Howie Day exactly, yes. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I have to give this to you because I just... This song in particular just does very little for me, so... This song um, sucks horribly. Yeah, so take it. Take it. Go off. No, this song sucks. That's it. Um, this is one of those examples of where the big hit sounds like the worst examples of the person's music. Okay. Yeah, he absolutely has some songs like this, but this is truly the most egregious example this okay. is this, this sounds like a song that should end um every episode of, of a Dawson's show on Creek. cw or uh gray's anatomy yeah exactly i have nothing more to say about it i actually hate this song if you want to hear some good howie day songs check out um if you want to hear a really great vert experience so Howie Day was a live experience. He was really bad at making albums, and he was really good at performing live. He was an early proponent of looping live to create a full band sound as one person on a stage by themselves, uh, doing it as early as 2001 and 2002. If you want to hear a really great example of that, you should check out "Sorry So Sorry" as it original exists on as it originally exists on Australia, his uh, first full length uh, major label release. And then you should hear it on the Madrigals EP. There's a live version. You should check that out there. You should also listen to the next track, Bunnies. It's a really tremendous song. The name is a little silly, but it's a really phenomenal piece of live art. But it is exclusively live art. It does not... uh, There would never be an album version because it is exclusively Mm. the art of watching him make it live is what's fascinating. You should also check out for some really great album tracks. Uh, Secret, Slow Down, Ghost, Disco, Trouble in Here, Sunday Morning Drive, and Perfect Time of Day. Those are much better examples of what he actually sounds like. Um, But again, really the Howie Day experience was a live experience. It was watching him sound more like a full band than any full band you've ever seen live in your life. Uh, that really is all I have to say about Collide. Once again, he was just somebody I really wanted to talk about. Um, right. How he he was an indie darling. He was an indie darling, and the big thing was, like, when is he going to break? It was him and John Mayer, and it was just, they were indie darlings, and when were they going to break? You know, you two were pioneers that became television personalities, essentially. Gwen Stefani was a ska queen who became a dance queen. Lindsay Lohan, who's an actress who became whatever the fuck that thing that she became is, but 
back when I loved her, she was perfect with rumors. Um, Jason Mraz in that category too. Yeah, Jason with, like, Mraz the Howie is a hundred percent. Though to 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 be really honest, I can see how people would be like Jason Mraz, John Mayer, and Howie Day were peddling the same thing, but they really, 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 really fucking weren't. They were only peddling the same thing in as far as they existed at the same time. Howie Day was much more the cure on an acoustic guitar. John Mayer was Sting meets Eric Clapton Mm. and a whole lot of classic blues. Um, And Jason Mraz is Latin folk world influence on pop music so i understand because they were all produced by like chris lord algae or whatever his name was and um they were all produced by steve lillywhite and um the same they all were forced to have the same polished sound yeah because i was gonna say i a couple episodes ago you ryan cabrera came up and you 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 didn't have anything to say about him you didn't think he was interesting but like but like collide in and of itself separate from howie day's discography or whatever but like collide is on the way easily down be ryan cabrera's song absolutely collide is like i said the worst example of howie day's mm-hmm. music in my opinion in a lot of ways um howie day actually had really really phenomenal well they, he had really fun to interpret lyrics um Every night is disco night. With you, I'm living every moment for you. Seeing things in a different way. Oh my god, I'm thankful that you're leaving. Um, uh, or she's got the beamiest face. Like, he, he never said things really literally. Um, you spend your nights here. You'll always be up late. You keep each other up. Chemicals can make you stay. It, it was always kind of like stream of consciousness. And then here's Collide, even the best fall down sometimes. Yeah, it's very on the nose. Even the wrong words seem to rhyme out of the doubt that fills your mind. Finally find you and I collide. Why? Yep. So, like, it's it's literally um, an example of, like, again, not to bring up the Foo Fighters, but I listened to a lot of Foo Fighters the other night. Uh, what's the name of the song from the first album with the Mentos video? Big Me. Big Me, thank you. It's the only song that sounded like that on the first yeah. record, and it was the single. Uh-huh. And it's the same thing as the only song on the Goo Goo Dolls' first record that sounds like Name is Name, and it was the single. It's it's just an example of where there was an opportunity to make money by cornering a market because an artist created a piece of art that didn't really sound like them, but they recognized was capable of generating a fan base. And they said the short-term big sell of the single is more important than the uncertainty of whether or not we'll be able to continue capitalizing on this artist over the next 20 years. And I think I think um, Howie Day is an artist who really did have a, a great chance at a great career. Uh, it doesn't help that he is famously difficult, that he has been arrested multiple times. Mm. It, it doesn't. Those things don't help him. But he is actually a very talented songwriter, an incredible live performer, a pretty good vocalist, and uh, a pretty clever guitarist. Not like the world's greatest guitarist, but very clever. Uh, Sadly, his later work does not match the quality of his earlier work. His first two albums and the previous 
EPs. If you can get your hands on those EPs, they're pretty, pretty fucking rough. But it's interesting to hear how the songs evolve. He is an artist who, though, who re-recorded the same song a million times. Um, <clears throat> and I can understand why. When uh, I had a band called The Survival Instinct, we had one song in particular that everybody was like, that's going to be your hit, guys. And we were <laughs> like, thanks. And they, you know, you're kind of like, but pay attention to the other songs, too. But it was called Take Me With You. And everybody was like, you've got to keep recording it until it's famous. And Howie Day kept getting that piece of informi- that piece of advice with a song called She Says. And it exists on an EP. It exists on his first album in another form. And it exists on his second album in a third form. Yes, that is the same song recorded two different ways on two consecutive records. Mm. Yeah. And it's it, ridiculous. Did it, did it lose something when it sounded cleaner? The more times he recorded it, the um the worse it got kind of like michelle branch with um goodbye to you dude that's that's fuck literally the exact thing i was thinking of and was gonna bring up yeah there's there's very few songs that progressively get worse and worse somehow because very few songs get recorded six and seven times in a five-year period yep all right, um, well. That's really all I have to say. Howie Day, you were a genius who never got realized. I'm really sorry, brother. I would have really loved if you had managed to have a really successful... You know, there's something I really love when an artist reaches that pinnacle point where they record an album that's like, oh my god, this is it, this is that thing, this is that moment. And I really thought he was going to have one of those. John Mayer had it with Continuum. Um, and it was a really big deal. Jason Mraz had it with We Sing, We Dance, We Steal Things, mm. which featured I'm Yours, yep. which is just you know, one of the most recognizable songs ever. Um, and I really wanted Howie Day to have that. And uh, his second record was a phenomenal disappointment mm. because there's six great songs on it and six songs that all sound the very forgettable mm. same. Yep. And it's it's tough anyway, to have, that's all I have that on single. Him. Like it's tough to have that song that defines you, especially when it's not a song that defines you. Yeah, when that wouldn't have been the song you used to define your sound in the first mm-hmm. place. Yeah, it's it's tough to come so. back from that. We've we've if there's anything that I've learned from this experiment so far, it's that like the high highs are probably worse than the low lows in the long term for a career if they like it, it's tougher to recover from the peak you know yeah you'll never be that yeah. famous again and that is immediately what you are immediately compared to and when you inevitably fall f- fall short of it by virtue of how can you have you can't have there's one lady gaga right and even then, Lady Gaga, you tell me the number of number one singles off of Joanne. Yeah, exa- yeah exactly. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and then, and then you're, you can't change your sound. Like, uh, people people think that they want another poker face, but like, do you, or a bad romance, but like, how many times do you really want that? And you got it. It was called it, applause, and you resoundedly yeah, didn't buy it. It's just, it, pop music is, I mean, fucking, you can, you can say this about anything. You can say this about movies though i i mean the thing to do today in movies is copy paste a formula and make at least a hundred million dollars um though i guess with uh, i mean that's that's a whole that's a whole other podcast i'm not going to get into that but it, it just feels like you're making that artists make for an audience in pop music that thinks they know what they want but clearly does not and that's that's i i can't imagine 
being someone who has to try to navigate that as a, as a career. Fuck, that sounds, ugh, that's miserable. That's why so few people make it a career of more than 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you just can't keep having... the first step towards failure, as Homer Simpson would say. You can't keep having to recreate who you are for other people without continuously giving up yourself. On that warm note... <sighs> All right. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> welcome to the program, Good Charlotte. I just want to live. So... This is so past their prime. This is post, like, Anthem and Girls and Boys, and that that just never was on a now, right? Yeah, I think... This is, this, this is new. This is, we, this is our first Good Charlotte, but this is late Good Charlotte. I think it has to do with the timing. I just think... Um, I believe Good Charlotte was big our junior year. Of high school. Yeah. Yeah. That that's that's I, I'm almost positive that I had um, one of like the Madden games in high school that had the anthem on the soundtrack. So like I'm sure that this I, I thought oh this is like one of their first singles and I didn't remember and I listened to it and I was like no no if this was their first single they would not be a band that anyone remembered. And like the video is absurd and stuff. This it sucks. has it's so it, bad. The video has one of them dressed up as a banana. Yeah. Like, it's just really what, stupid. What, oh, man. So, it's like... So, <clears throat> folks at home, think about Good Charlotte. And, like, think about what, what you remember, like, two or three ideas of what Good Charlotte is, right? They were like a a pop-punk band that musically was, like, fucking fourth tier, but for some reason rose above that, probably because the the Madden brothers looked like they were a hot topic come to life but this song is like the good charlotte guys writing a maroon 5 song but wanting to have production values of both of both like maroon 5 and a band that looks like they should be signed to vagrant records and it's just a mess it is an absolute mess and he's doing falsetto and it's it this this now the th- you had your theme of now. My theme of now is noises that don't sound good. Because his falsetto fucking sucks. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that, if I'm not mistaken, it was good Charlotte that were like, yeah, we don't actually know how to play our instruments. We learned from tabs, and we just make sound from that. And that's fine. If that's how you understand how to make music, that's fine. But I think there was a lot of complaints that they all sounded very generic and very the same, and their songs were all very similar. And um, <clears throat> I think this was them. Nothing about Good Charlotte seemed authentic. Um, just like their their look, you know, we kind of talked about this with Avril, where Avril was forced into those, like, tank tops and studded checker belts and uh, wearing a tie for no reason um, and doing, like, Skater Boy, but then, like, next album, just doing, like, straight-up pop music, still dressing like that, and it, it wasn't really until she was allowed to be herself both musically and aesthetically that she found her groove. Um, like I said, these are a bunch of guys who look like they, they wanted to be in the casualties and got kicked out, but are making fucking songs like girls and boys. And it, it's just a clash of ideas from top to bottom that doesn't work. 
I think there's something a little bit more authentic than you're thinking. I don't think Good Charlotte was ever meant to get famous. I think it just sort of happened. No offense to any of them. They're not tremendously talented. They are very right place, right time, right genre, right look. I think there is something very authentic about them. I think they are everyone who listened to them. I just think their garage band worked out. I I guess. I don't... I don't know anything about, like, their first album, but I feel like they're, like, an example of a band. And I I don't know if this is true, but it feels right to me that they're a band who someone, some fucking dildo in the music industry saw Blink-182 and was like, you guys are that now, but we're going to tell you what that is through our, like, fucking 50-year-old gray-haired suit-and-tie idea of, of how to make that work and sell it. And I think they are just what the, the faces that they put on to that idea. I wouldn't be shocked if like good Charlotte, like their, you know, first EP or their first album or whatever sounded completely different from this. Um, and sounded more like uh Anthem than something like girls and boys, because it's, that's just a pop song dressed up in punk clothes. But I think, I think all of it sounds essentially the same on on their first record. I think Girls and Boys does sound like the anthem. I think uh, I think mm. it's all very aesthetically yeah, I, I can't agree with you on that I one. think it's all very um it's all the production machine of that year. Sure. It's it's the same span of they're... songs that Avril's first album had. I'm with you to Skater Boy to um unwanted complicated to complicated yeah the span of songs there is still mm-hmm. within the same span of songs boys and girls and the anthem are i think they started with a production sound there and engineered a lot of it you know this is the anthem get your damn hands up was in a jay-z song a year earlier it wasn't even that they were actually saying an anthem thing. They were literally using a callback to a popular song to get people to be like, yeah. I don't think there was anything inauthentic about the good Charlotte guys and that image. I don't think they were very... I don't think they had a huge hand in their music. I mean, I'm sure they did, but I'm sure there was a, always a plus I, one songwriter or producer doing I mean, all the work. That's kind of what I'm saying. Maybe you synthesize that into a better sentence, but yeah, that's... Okay. I, I think... You mean there's... They're the, yeah, you mean that the, the, there's an inauthenticity to them writing this, not that they are inauthentic, inauthentically pop. I mean, inauthentically punk-ish. Right. I think, like, I, I don't think that... And this is probably the best example. They're just getting farther and farther and farther away from it. Um, well, this was years later. And, I think this was an, at this point, pop punk, like pop punk was already, you know, retro on the way out. Pretty on the way out. So yeah, I think this sure. was them trying to change their genre and get ahead of it. I Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, good try, mate, but <laughs> ugh, ugh. yeah, uh, it's not, it's not good. Um, uh, honestly, uh, um, it, it, mercy, it, it's mercy that we, we didn't have to cover a lot of their stuff, honestly. Um, I don't, I don't, I won't miss it. Um, what's left? <laughs> Not much, right? Um, this album's pretty dead. We're skipping a lot of the bland ass rock stuff. You can keep three days grace. Another Lenny Kravitz song. 
Okay. Um, <laughs> there's a song on here. I, you know, we, we do covers now. That, that's apparently what we do. Every one of these fucking nows has a cover. There's a cover of Jesse's Girl, the Rick Springfield song, by a band called... By a band called Frickin' A. I'm so angry about this. That's the worst name for a band I've ever heard. And if we want to talk about bands that are like clearly just smashed together to do the pop punk thing, it's got to be this because they have no Wikipedia. They have one album and we're gone. There's nothing to them. They came and they went. The dude in this band looks like he's 45 fucking years old. Um, he looks he looks like Chris Gaines. <laughs> if you know who. <laughs> if you know who that was yeah that's that's garth brooks's alter ego yeah yeah he looks like he does street magic um and the video like they're all in high school and they're doing a jesse's girl thing though this guy definitely can't be within 100 yards of a high school um they even have rick springfield in the video but i think at that point rick springfield was just happy to be there no matter where there was um so i can't blame him too much for that but this is kind of what we were talking about with what covers were don't do a note for note cover and they do they do a note for note cover almost and the guy sounds like he's doing an impression of rick springfield in 1983 82 um except they just they just don't do the riff like the song has a riff and they're just like we're just no it's not going to do the riff um so they take away like the only identifier like the main uh the hook and they just leave what i can only describe as like a simulacrum of itself and it's, it's it's just it's why 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 does this exist other than the shit we're talking about where like it was cool to have a pop punk cover song and for some bands it was a hit this is just some fucking studio saying hey chris gaines jesse's girl go we'll do the rest yeah this is this is it just sucks. there was more money to be made out of a song um but ultimately there's more money uh, you know there's always more money to be made out of anything the uk like we discussed in our uk episode loves covers and where the us doesn't um <clears throat> dance music uh serious xfm or whatever is always looking to i i think they're all the same thing um like but like you know satellite radio and internet radio need hundreds of um need hundreds of covers at all times it would seem uh, to pad their electronica stations with. So, you know, there's mm-hmm. always... Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, there's a lot of those kind of, like, German covers of, like, uh, dancey style Total Eclipse of the Heart and stuff like that. Yeah, so, you know, I, this is just that. It's just so bad. And yeah. it's just the problem is, my actual irritation is that now wants us to accept that that's supposed to be representative of the time. Exactly, and it's nothing. It's nothing. It's just on the same label, probably. Yeah, and, you know, the other songs we've omitted, I don't think we omitted a single song that was actually a major uh, contribution to the year. I don't think we omitted anything that was shaping of the charts in any way. So, that's... Yeah, you might might think, oh, looking at this, Nelly featuring Tim McGraw, that's that's uh, uh, the most ambitious... 
mash up until Infinity War. Uh, no, it's just bland as shit. It's vanilla mashed up with French vanilla, and it's fucking boring. Um, yeah, there's nothing else in here that's interesting. I promise you, if we skip stuff, it's for your own good and for our sanity. Yeah, we're getting better at making this show, and sometimes you gotta jump around. Err. So. Yeah, and if we have to talk about Hoobastanks disappear, how are you gonna listen to Nico talk about fucking? And trust me. You're not. Trust me. Take what you can get, folks. Me fucking is so much better than Hoobastank, I promise. Um, I actually... I only refer to sex as doing Hoobastank, which is real weird. Um, But it's a thing I do now, and uh, it's really worked out for me. So I recommend that to everybody at home. Uh, Let's end this episode, um, because I have to edit this at some point, somehow. So yeah, let's, let's mercy kill now 18. Nico, where can people find you? Hey, you guys can find me over on Instagram, posting all sorts of half-naked photos at Nico Vasillo, N-I-C-O-V-A-S-I-L-O. Uh, you can also find me over on uh, KidRiotComics.com, where you can find out all about my super awesome, uh, inclusive, diverse comic. Uh, and we're going to all of our amazing appearances all summer long. You can find us at BlurredCon uh, in July. You can find us at FlameCon in August in Manhattan, uh, Keystone Con in Philly in September, New York Comic Con at the Javits in October. We just got our professional badges today. Hell yeah. Uh, you can find us at Nerd Tino in Philly in November and a number of other appearances throughout the year. You can usually find us with the amazing team at LGBTHQ, including the incredible Jay Justice, um, <clears throat> who also has brought us to amazing other conventions that we had no idea uh, we would even be able to get to. Uh, because she is amazing and awesome and always thinking of uh, people. And I just wanted to shout out to my Comic-Con team, because it's been a couple of weeks, and it's like, oh, haven't had a con in a while. Um, but I'm getting excited. Oh, my God, cut this down. I'm just so tired. No, that's good. It's good that somebody uh, is a success. I blew up on Twitter for a second when I told New York Times op-ed author Barry Weiss that uh, she's probably eaten display fruit before. That's that's the most uh, celebrity that I've ever had. Um, so it's good that one of us is doing something other than just being an asshole online. <laughs> Assholes online. Check out our new podcast on Cage Club. It's actually just us talking about times we were assholes online. Uh, I'd have more to say for that than I would about now 18. I would ask Kevin if he wants to be part of that one. Hey, Chris, where can people find you? I'm at Chris Podcast on Twitter, um, where you can find me retweeting stuff about this horrible hell world that we live in uh, or making fun of shitty political people. Uh, the time to pull the cord on now 18. Rest in piss. R.I.P. Drake. We'll catch you on the flip side. And, oh, um, stay tuned for some of that cutting room floor gold that you think exists. Ladies and gentlemen, you're going to regret it. Welcome to the show, Omerian. It's the first time on his solo stuff, though. 
Um, we did mention, I believe, when he was with... What was the name of the band? B2K? B2K? Mm-hmm. Yep. You with yep. me, Nico? Did I lose you? I've said yup like eight times. Sorry, what was that? Uh, you, I, I totally <laughs> lost you for a minute. I just keep saying yup. Oh, okay. Um, but he was B2K, right? <laughs> oh my god, yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> this is going to sound really weird when I edit it. I, I, I can hear both of them with us not being able to hear each other. I can't keep agreeing. I just can't keep agreeing anymore. <laughs> yes, he was a B2K. Yes, yes, yes. Never ask me again. Uh, I think I should just put that unedited to the end of the episode. Um, so that all the people who wanted to hear the cutting room floor, uh, the fucking monkey's paw curls down. Okay. Because okay. most of what is on the cutting room floor is either lengthy tangents where... <laughs> One of us regrets it immediately and then goes, please just cut all of that. Or uh, just, like, one of our internet's shitting out and one person just talking to a void. Or the other person being able to hear it and the other person not being able to hear them. And it just sucks. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, so talk about Omarion. Uh, but he was in B2K, right? <laughs> no. No, he was in Poison Man. Go to hell. Uh, okay, uh. okay.